Hello and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they're navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. So we're back. Welcome to season five. Welcome to regular listeners, new listeners. Whatever stage you're at with finding this podcast, with finding this platform, welcome back. I am really happy and just have so much joy being back, sitting in front of a microphone and recording again. And I'm very, as always, keen to share what we have come up with this season. And, you know, after this, you know, break and hiatus and everything, I think We've adjusted production, and I'm going to do my best to be so much more consistent going back to that season one, two, and three energy where episodes were just pow, 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 but I'm also still in the process of recording some of the later content, so if you are interested in featuring or have any ideas, please do hit me up on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram. Unfollow me, your host, at Kimia Jack on Twitter, and we can get a conversation going and, I guess, keep the conversation of this specific episode going. So this week, for the season opener, we are discussing, once again, an airy-fairy, not very, like, tangible, not very solid topic. It's something that is up and open to a lot of interpretation. And we're talking about generational baggage slash generational trauma in this economy. And my guests and I just explore what we understand generational trauma to be, what we understand generational baggage to be, and how this has impacted us growing up and impacts us now in the way that, you know, we behave in the decisions that we've made and some of the results of, you know, the environment around us, what, what, we've passed down from generation to generation the world over as Zimbabweans and the world over so I do hope you enjoy this conversation as always we had a lot of fun recording it and um, I guess just to put a small trigger warning um, we don't go into the nitty-gritty specifics of some forms of trauma but in general because of the thought-provoking nature of the conversation if you you know don't want to explore things you might consider traumatic or you know familial issues or all of those kinds of things um just a trigger warning for the content of the episode i i don't know how to explain it because we just we cover a lot and we touch on a number of things and this is definitely something i would love to revisit um and sort of yeah to revisit with another group of people who've had a different experience than I have and and my guests have had. So yeah, I do hope you enjoy the episode. I think I already put the social media stuff at the beginning of this intro. So um, from here, let's just get straight into it. All right. So for today's episode, I am super, super, I'm always excited, but I'm so excited because I have quite possibly my two favorite people in the whole wide world on the platform together for the first time, my siblings, Tatinda, Shannon. Hey. What's up? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. I'm so excited to talk about generational baggage in this economy. I don't know about her, but I'm honored. 
Um, so I, I wanted to talk to you guys about this because I think we have these really like deep and meaningful conversations on the fly all the time. But I feel like because we've, you know, grown up in the same house, had different experiences, are experiencing like the economy, the social situations, the political climate, all of that in the same place. Like we see things from the same TV. We use the same Wi-Fi, same parents, same family, everything. But we have such different points of view, two millennials and a Gen Z, like y'all just are the most interesting perspective. So I thought it'd be fun to come and chat to you guys about generational baggage and all of that good stuff. So we're ready to go. All right. So before we get started getting into the episode, do you want to introduce yourselves to the people, aside from being my siblings, which is probably the greatest position, (laughs) which is probably the greatest position you hold. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourselves to the people? Thank you for giving me the floor. Um, My name is Satenda. I'm just finished doing my law degree. Pew, pew, pew. Now I am embarking on my first job. Hey. Not in law. <laughs> what? Hey. In, <laughs> in property um, development and sustainability project management. So that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm also a bit of an artist. A bit. A that's, devil. You're lovely. You're such a good artist. Thank you. Shan? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm Shan. Shannon. But like, yeah, uh, I mean, most people really go by my pseudonym, like my stage name, uh, Don Jovi. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist and I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm an actor. And I'm also, I guess you could say I'm an entrepreneur, a businessman. I'm just really trying to monetize my creative powers to, you know, make a life out of it, so to speak. And I hope what I provide will be sufficient to this discussion. But I'm grateful for being here. Oh, thanks, Shan. Y'all, y'all, y'all are nice. Y'all are nice. So thank you so much. So I think let's just get straight into it. The first question I have for you is, as far as you're concerned, what is generational trauma or generational baggage? That's deep. Yeah. I just wanted to say one thing first. Mm. Um, it's kind of weird that you say I'm a Gen Z when we're so close in age. But you are a Gen Z, though. Now, like, I no, understand. Like, but does that mean I'll have a different perspective? Well, not a different perspective. Like, a completely different perspective, aside from, like, our age difference. But when I say you're, like, a Gen Z, like, you synthesize things differently. We have different core memories. We have different just the way we view things is not exactly the same because where I am like, oh, I remember 1999 so vividly. You were two. Do you you remember 1999? Low key, that's when me. I I won't cap. I won't cap. I won't cap. I feel like I get what Tats is saying because millennials, they started like, what, 84? Exactly. You see, so so a Gen X dude born in like 79 or 82 I mean, you take a Zim dude born in 79 and a dude born in 84, You they, they definitely speak the same way. The same way. And they way. think the same way. You, you know? try to speak to someone from 84. You know what I'm saying? Like your people. Like, like I, what? I really, I really feel like, with, especially with millennials and Gen Zs, it's like, 
I don't feel like there's too much of a contrast because Gen Zs are not really introducing, like, you know, millennials to anything new. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's literally like like a further, you know, like like more detail or just a different version of, you know, stuff that we know. But, like, if you really think about it, like, you know, aside from the nomenclature... And no one knows what from, that means, Chad. Okay, fine, jargon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Aside from that and um, preferences and perspectives and sensitivity towards certain things, you know, I feel like 90s millennials, you know, are by far probably the most open-minded, mm-hmm. like, you know, individuals. And I feel like more often than not, we've been able to assimilate and adapt to things better than people like born in the 80s, you know, where somebody in the 70s and 80s, especially in the case of Zimbabwe, they all think the same, you know. But you don't know that because, okay, cool, because we are in the group of the 90s and now we're all the youth in the 90s, you can say that, of course, it's easy for you to adapt because you're a youth in this time. Let me tell you, when Anamubu and them grow up, um, what are they? Alphas, I think. Gen Alpha. Yeah. Ah, it's gonna be different. Yeah, but the conversation is Gen Z and millennials. Well, I will say, you know, okay, I, I will say. The proximity of like you know certain y- y- age groups with regards to years, like look, people born six years apart. You know, I don't know, but from what I've seen, people born like five, maybe four, five, six years apart. There's not too much of a difference in their thinking especially with life experiences, but it's like somebody that's like, you know, completely like, you know, like let's just say a 90s to a 2010s kid, you know what I'm saying? Like you can be able to see that that like, you know, that's those are worlds apart, you know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, 2000s Gen Zs and like 90s millennials, we all grew up or were born into natural disasters and world Mm. events and historical events and we've had to adapt and assimilate in the same way you know to answer your question Tats, when i said you're a gen z and two millennials it wasn't like i invited you to talk about this thing from a gen z perspective no i'm just saying we grew up in the same household but have had very different experiences Mm. and it's just to say like some would say oh you're a gen z that's why you see it this way but It's not necessarily that I'm looking to you to give a Gen Z perspective. You would just have a different experience. The idea is we've seen online, we've seen the conversations where we are three people growing up in the exact same environment, experiencing it different ways. Um, And that's what it is to talk about. It's not that I'm looking to you for everything Gen Z because our age gap is not that big and... As much as you are a Gen Z, according to TikTok, you're one of the old Gen Zs. I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's not the perspective at all. It was just more so, you know, like, yeah, we just we just have different points of view. We have different things. Exactly. You're the originators. The OGs. The OGs, pioneer. you know, the pioneer, the first ones. So, yeah, that that's all it is. Um, I hope that answers yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, okay. Oh, no, but that was a nice intro. That was a nice intro. <laughs> I'm sorry, your get example it, was get it, get it, get it, get it together. Get it. All right, cool. So, 
and your from your perspective, your point of view, your understanding, what is generational trauma slash generational baggage? Ooh. Yeah. I would say that that is something that is inherited not by your own making, mm-hmm. but it's something that from a spiritual perspective, it's something that um, it's inherited from things that weren't settled from your ancestors in the sense of you, it could start from your great-grandparents, it could start from your mother, it could start from anywhere, but it's something that kids may have inherited. Socially, it's more of a thing where the it's like those, those sayings that say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or the sins of the father come to the son in the sense where you kind of imitate your conditioning from the people that brought you up. So you kind of just become a product of your environment, how you're raised, who you're surrounded by, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Mm. That's how I... Um, and it's always negative trauma. Baggage. Mm. So you may not have experienced it, but it's something that was unsettled from maybe a past person mm. in your bloodline mm. that has now you've inherited mm. yeah mm. that's me um, I'm just gonna go with uh, repetitive behavior throughout your lineage for absolutely no good reason you mm. know like because yes your conditioning is plays a part in who you are mm. you know but the reason why a lot of well, why it's traumatic is because, you know, obviously the byproduct of it is nothing, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I feel like as human beings, even if you're looking at lineage, we are still individuals, you know? So this thing of something being a chip off the old block because somebody used to do something and your forefathers did it, so you have to... You're not necessarily obligated to, but you will continue for whatever reason, whether it's through no fault of your own, but it's not for any real reason, Mm -hmm. but you are just continuing it and repeating that same behavior, you know? So, you know, you get generational blessings. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where Mm -hmm. you repeat positive acts that were passed down throughout your lineage, but then it becomes a choice, you know, like, um, so I feel like as human beings, you know, I wouldn't come to the conclusion that generational wealth is something that you were predisposed to do, even though the conditioning exists for you to repeat that behavior. Mm. It becomes a choice. There's the part of it that's through no fault of your own, or there's nothing like there's a, a, a sort of like a fatal you know, kind of, okay, so things worked out this way, therefore we're going to be that way. Um, But from the internet, I actually did not write down where I got this definition. The lawyer in me, you you always cite your sources. But um, basically, uh, just a textbook definition. I'll put the source in the link in the description. 
Um, I'll make sure. You make sure of it, yeah. I'll cite the source where I got this. But it says, um, war, natural disasters, genocide, slavery, when these traumatic experiences are passed down from generation to generation, they affect how people think, feel, and behave. That's just general definition of just the idea of it. So if one generation of people experience something particularly traumatic or particularly significant, that determines how generations then behave. So if you had a series of wars, you might inherit survivalist type of behaviors. And those are things we adopt and we call them culture. This is how we do things. But when you look back into history, yeah. it might have been a way of surviving. It might have been a way our society chose best to, I guess, survive, sustain, mm -hmm. to continue a bloodline, to continue a culture, to continue a religion. Um, it's just decisions that other people made that we've now just adopted as, you know, survival, sort of survival of the fittest type thing. And when I think about it from that perspective and I think about my life, you know, the and the I know my bloodline maybe just two generations down. My grandparents, my parents, and then me. I don't really know too much about, like, our ancestry. I mean, you know, I've heard the stories spoken to... There's that long voice note that Uncle... I don't want to lie. But it was the person explaining our lineage from Nyajeka to Nyajeka to Nyajeka, from our great-grandmother, Haruji Ngui, to where we are now, right? Um, and... Considering things like um, colonialism, apartheid, all of those sort of things weren't a long time ago. Like, you could trace it back. There's probably a relative. The bloodline is still pretty clear is what I mean. It, there's no mishmash. There's no dilution. There's no all of those kinds of things. And then you add the trauma or the big events that we're experiencing, like climate change, all the, you know, financial disasters, economic, blah, 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 all of those things are going to impact our future generations. Do you think, I guess my next question is, do you think you've explained generational trauma from things like our war of liberation, our relatives who've experienced racism? Do you think that those kinds of things have impacted our behavior, your behavior, and how you see the world? I think... I think this is the problem about when we talk about trauma. We always think trauma comes from these big, big events, like natural, although they do because people do experience them. But then a lot of generational trauma comes in the nuances of everyday life. Like, like okay, so people talk about how these days it's called, what type of racism was it called? Microaggressions. Microaggression. Yeah. You talk about microaggressions or something, right? That idea and stuff sticks in a child or something when it happens at a young age. Like if you went to schools with predominantly people that didn't look like you mm. and then you heard microaggressions all your life, that sticks with you. That also becomes trauma and you have a response to that. Or anything. Like we all have it. And those are the little things I've seen that really now get passed down to generation and generation because we try hide because we think it's small, it's no big deal, but our feelings are hurt or something in us is triggered. We're like, ah, nothing's bad. So then we try now, try dull it now, 
try and numb the pain with certain coping mechanisms, certain attitudes, certain things, certain ways to be in order to just, it's like fight or flight, to defend, to, you know, to protect yourself. Those are the things that I've noticed that I've inherited more than the Chimurengas, more than all those. And we've been through natural disasters and stuff, all the, even COVID. It does not traumatize me <laughs> as much as some things that happened in my childhood, which is like daily life things. Yeah. So, and I've seen it now when now you speak to your parents where they have the same habits you do and they feel that way mm. on everyday things, you know? Shen? Yeah, you know, these things are passed down, you know. There's such key events that happen in life, you know, that force people to attack a certain way and do certain things and you educate the next generation to follow suit. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I dig that, but like, whether it's generational curses or generational blessings or generational trauma, for me, I just like to see for what it is and it's just a cycle mm-hmm. between what's the old and the new, what the positive and negative. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we may also argue the relevance of why certain types of behaviors had to happen. Mm. You see, that's why I always say it always comes down to choice. You can have certain things imposed upon you and certain ideals and certain things that have been passed down. But if you're within a time frame where it wasn't as relevant as to the people that needed to react like that, it's never be able to compute to you in this generation. Mm. Hence why I say that People choose. They're not predisposed to make the same mistakes. You you literally made a choice to make that mistake because I was raised, I mean, we were raised by grandparents who were in the battlefield teaching. You understand? I am not going to tell you that I inherited any of those yeah. things. <laughs> I you know what I'm saying? When bombs start, like, if I hear yes. a firecrack, I'm not going to be, like, duck for cover. You understand what I'm saying? And not only that, but, like, you see, we're in a generation of learning and unlearning. The generations before us learned what they learned stuck in their ways. You understand? Like, I'm just going to have Zimbabwe as an example. Like, the elder generation, life was pretty much, you know, it was pretty much black and white. You go to school, you go to church, you go to work, you get a family, you live, you chill, you know. Zimbabwe is probably in the most conflicted state it has ever been as far as mentalities and perspectives are concerned, you know, because everybody in Zimbabwe feels like you have to have a monolithic we're raised by people to think that we have some monolithic way of moving forward and it is that mentality that has been worked towards our own detriment so now you see people free thinkers individualists you know renaissance type of people like and and the crazy thing is us trying to assimilate into the basic knowledge of the world It's now a renaissance. But to the rest of the world, that's us keeping up with the world. You understand? So these traumas, these generational curses, these generational blessings, 
like generational anything. It's really just repetitive behavior. Because the thing is with trauma, what makes it like a topic and makes it a big thing is because it's something that isn't really a choice and it just becomes something that we lack control over. Although, yeah, we can overcome things. It's kind of like it, the trauma, I didn't want it to happen to me. It happened to me, and now I'm affected by it. It's something that happened beyond your control. No, you're right, and we are affected by it. Mm-hmm. But then whether you choose to continue the behavior or not, that depends on you. Mm-hmm. Because you never had anything to do with what you were born into, but you have to, you know what I'm saying? You, you have to deal with that. However, you know, how you go about it, you know? Like, you don't have to, like, you know, start burning down houses because great-granddad did it. Then granddad did it, and dad did it, now you do it. Mm. At the end of the day, whatever whatever reason, whether it was traumatic or not, at the end of the day, you choose to whether break the cycle or you keep it continuing. Mm. I'm not saying that to degrade anybody's trauma or anybody's life experiences. God forbid, and especially experiences. But however, we can just go back to brass tacks. It is really a cycle. Mm-hmm. Whether it's traumatic, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, it is a cycle. Mm. Um, I agree with both of you to an extent, but I really do believe that I am a product of generational baggage slash trauma, like me as a person. Um, yes, there's the microaggressions and how those were dealt with are things you adopt because obviously when, you know, like for example, in primary school, I, I, I imagine like, my parents experienced racial discrimination growing up. Um, so when I was in primary school and I was at a predominantly white school, I wasn't allowed to go for sleepovers. And that was because my parents were traumatized by something and they protected me against it. To this day, I don't really like sleepovers because I'm like, why do you want to go to people's houses? Why do you want to come to my house? You know what I mean? Um, it takes a lot of mental like preparation for me to be like, I'm going to someone's house. I'm going to go be uncomfortable. I'm going to go. And that's because of something someone else experienced Mm -hmm. and they put that discomfort sort of on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another side of, yes, my grandparents were out, you know, in the war teaching, transporting soldiers, doing all of those like pretty, I guess, heroic things. Um, But the one thing they would be like, yeah, education's important. And I just was drilled into me. Like education's important. If you're going to move up in this life, you need to go to school. If you're going to go, if you're going to do this, you need to go to school, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I grew up following a set of rules because my grandparents, for example, told me if I follow the rules, I will be guaranteed success. Because for them, it was about, you guys have been given an opportunity that we didn't have. You follow the rules, you're guaranteed success. I don't think I was given a lot of freedom to figure out who I was because my grandparents and parents, for example, were more concerned about how I could survive in this world than me finding myself. Do you know what I mean? So you felt like you inherited that. So I inherited that. Mm. I inherited that, like, no, success, financial independence, being able to take care of myself is more important than knowing myself. Mm. I feel like that's how I was raised, Mm. and that's something I had to actually, like what you're saying, choose to grow up and unlearn because I honestly wasn't seeing the returns that I was low-key promised, I guess. I was promised certain returns on those investments, and 
I'm still at home, you know. I'm not. I wasn't picked in all the pickminess that I was raised in. I was haven't been picked um, in all for all my education. I'm not rich, and I was told a direct result of working hard will be high yield returns. And yes, I've had really rich and wonderful experiences. I don't take anything of that like for granted, but I've had to take a step back and really look like okay, I'm in this situation, and I'm not putting blame because my parents were doing what they thought was best for me at that time. But I'm just like, yo, I'm really just a product of everyone else's experiences, everyone else's perspectives, um, because, you know, you're coming from more of a place of fear, more of a place of wanting to belong somewhere, more of a place of that. That will have a direct impact on someone else's life. And it's only because of a sum total of their experiences that become a sum total of my experiences, which is where I end up now. So I do think it's the little things, the small T traumas, the microaggressions, the little fires everywhere. But it's also the big things. Like if you experience discrimination and the only way for you to get ahead was through school, you're obviously going to push your kids to go to school. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm. You're just a product of your generation. Exactly. Back then, they didn't need to know themselves to get a job and to get BSc or these days we're living in the life where your personality is your brand Mm. it's all you have it's the thing that will make you the difference between you being an entrepreneur or you not even being employed at all like honestly it's your right now we're at a time where your personality is and your morals and your morals and who you are as a person like this you treat people it's not because you're backed by a certain institution it's not because you went to that it's like who are you with all that backing you? Mm. So now it's us looking for, we, we need a job, you have a job, you've got an education, you have the job that you need, nah, but now you need a side hustle. Now you need to do this, now you need to do this, now you need to build a brand. Like, so you're on social media, how do you make money off of social media? It's all these things, how do you make money off of your personality? Oh, you like pink, what are you doing? What kind of pink products are you doing? It's like all those things where you're on the, well, they didn't have to do that back then. They were, they just said, go to school, get a job, get married. You didn't even have to know the wife you were marrying like that. She just had to be someone that was the ideal wife, and that was okay. Now, now you're like, who is she? What type of person is she? Is she a slay queen? Is she a this? Is she a that? It's a whole different ballgame. They did the best they could, but ah, no one could have prepared anyone for this generation, for these times that we're living in. Yeah, that's true, especially Zimbabweans, because I'm not going to lie, Zimbabweans like to live in this, on these old statistics. We had Muslim generation, I mean, we're the most educated, like, you see, we didn't inherit that statistic into this. Do you understand what I'm saying? We didn't inherit that statistic, you know what I mean? I'm I'm not going to cap. Anybody that's on Twitter knows that you're going to get on Twitter and you're going to see Chances are the most least enlightened group of people, dear Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, like, the Zim situation really reflects the level of enlightenment. You know what I'm saying? Because now, you see, with generational traumas, it's also a form of irresponsibility. It's also a form of, like, irresponsibility from the people before us for continuing negativity to have another cycle you understand what i like about what you said was people thinking different now 
Another thing that's happening is now we're holding a mirror right in front of all the elder people. Back then, seniority was everything. If you were an older, masculine man in Zim, you had the most authority. You knew everything. Your word was bond. Now we're questioning the old people. Now we're literally asking them. Like, you know, we are literally putting that whole, like, you know, we're holding a mirror up to them, you know. I mean, take, for example, people that work at Zimworks. I'll tell you right now, I'm enjoying the city every day. 70% of the people that work there, or even UPRO or wherever, 70% of them, it's always casual or smart casual. Do you understand? I'll tell you 20, 30% of the people actually go there full formal with hard bottoms. And you wonder why. You know, I, I get it. It's a call center. And, you know, you don't have to literally be that. I mean, I know that. But then... Growing up, everybody, if you were working in town, you had your slacks, your suits, your hard bottoms, your three-piece suits. You had a suit for every day. Do you understand? I see Nugget lasting longer on the shelves than it ever used. Nugget is a shoe polish. That's right. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Nugget, that's a shoe polish. That's a shoe polish for leather it's, shoes. They got mad stacks of Nugget these days. Mm. You understand? <laughs> we used to rush for the Nugget when we were younger. You understand? And, and why that is happening is because times have changed. Because the same generation... That was wearing suits and ties and everybody forcing people that you have to do this and do that. They're the same generation we can blame for the place that we're living in now. Because people said, yeah, we'll go to school, do this and do that, get a job. Yes, it worked, you know, for about 20 years. They're the same people you raised are now coming home with all the education and all the information in the world, asking the elder generation for an explanation, like, okay, I did everything you asked. Where my money at? Where my riches at? And then you start to see that, no, there were so many flaws in your thinking. You know what I'm saying? And that comfort in thinking that you have to do this and you have to do that, it was relevant to a 60s baby and a 50s baby. And a 70s baby, and maybe an 80s baby, but for the 90s babies, the rules had changed. We had to be afraid of Y2K. My parents never knew anything about Y2K until they were already old. So you actually afraid of Y2K? Yes! I wasn't afraid, no, I wasn't afraid. It looked cool on TV. Uh, were you not scared for the new millennium? No. I was having sleepless nights. The year was 1999. I do remember because I was in preschool. I was having yes. I was. I was. I was even in primary. I was in preschool, and I was just hearing about this new millennium. I was hearing about this new millennium. I was hearing. Remember, um, the helper we had, my chipo at the time, was just like, "Yo, everything. There's gonna be no electricity. There's going to be chi chi chi. The robots are coming from America." She wasn't wrong though, but she was like listen this new millennium and she like put that into my head and i was just like oh damn like guys when the new millennium comes it's not gonna be good and then there was that cyclone the one in mutare like i was like things are not going to be well i I, this these are the little snippets of my memories that i remember of the 90s just fearing this new millennium you know what i mean nah i I don't cap like 
I hated school, so life was pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Y2K came up, it was like, all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, man. I was like, whatever comes, I'm ready. But, like, you know. Like, <laughs> I really don't think that. No, I really no, think no, you're just was, listening to Ja Rule or something. Nah, ja Rule wasn't a thing. <laughs> no, no, when was he? No, 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 no. First of all, I was listening to Will Smith. It was 1999. <laughs> okay, I didn't know no better. You know, I was just listening to and, and Black Street, you know what I'm saying? And Boys to Men. Yeah. It was it was not it was just a lot of R and B. 1999. Like yeah. hey, listen, all the uncles, like oh all the uncles, they just had their tapes playing, so it's like I just sit there. And mom went to go see Boys to Men live Lord that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was watching uh, Anaconda, this full Ice Cube, bro. Shout out to Ice Cube. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Ice Cube, Jennifer Lopez, John Voight. Like, yeah, I was really just watching movies, bro. So I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, I was really indifferent about Y2K, really. Like, you know. I was scared. I, I was remember really being. I'm from Anaconda, the sequel. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. When was that one made? I think in the early 2000s. Yeah. And it was like more CGI. And... Oh my gosh, I'm feeling so... I feel like the only Anaconda thing I know is that Nicki Minaj song right now. But then that's but that's the whole thing, wait, though. Wait, 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 wait. The Anaconda with Jennifer Lopez. I know that one. On right? ETV. Oh my God. Yeah, but it wasn't in my childhood memories like that. What? But you see, that's my whole thing, though. That's, that's, that's really my <laughs> whole thing, the though. First Jurassic no, Park. no, no, no. You see, that's my whole thing, Ted. Same thing about watching the first Jurassic Park. It's like, you see how generational traumas being repeated as a cycle is, is, is really a choice of the new generation. Because I watched the new Jurassic Park and the old Jurassic Park. Back in the day, that Jurassic Park was bussing. You see, the new Jurassic Park with the CGI, it, it was, it, it, they took an L. Giving jungle me. You see now what I'm saying? You see now. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine with your trauma from back in the day, you repeating it, but you're giving a new CGI. You see how it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Y'all making remixes and remakes. It's almost like sampling rebels from back in the day. You know what I'm saying? So it's like now it's almost like we got the drill remix mm-hmm. of whatever grandma and grandpa went through. And it's not a good look. In some certain types of, you know, situations, you know what I'm saying? So it goes back to what I'm saying. There are plenty of new stories we could tell. Just like there's plenty of new behaviors we could adapt. Our grandparents, like, they literally saw the country go from the best to its absolute worst. Your generation's trouble. Some people are just growing up in the country being bad, Tans. Yeah, but they also, but like what you're saying, and I agree, like, I hear you, but like, you're saying economic turmoil is traumatic, and it is. But they were going from a time they couldn't walk through First Street, and then they could. And then they were promised all of these things. And they watched, they literally saw those promises not being fulfilled before their eyes. Like they saw their pensions dwindle how many times? They saw all of those things. We just came into the part where there's no money. And maybe we're less, we're not hopeful for the future. But they experienced no hope, hope, prosperity, and then abject poverty. I feel like generational trauma has got so many dimensions. But one thing we have to say about generational trauma as well is that it is systematic. When we look at it from a bureaucratic perspective, If we're going to talk about neocolonialism, 
The problem with this is that us as black people, especially millennials going forward, we feel like grandma and grandpa and mom and dad did all the suffering so we don't have to. Do you understand? Mm. But what we need to realize is if there's one thing black people are always going to inherit is the struggle. Mm. You see, granddad had his struggle. Mm. Dad has his struggle. We have our struggle. You know, granddad, he saw war. He saw this. He saw that. When that was all over, yeah, cool. You know what I'm saying? Pops had his struggle of literally going from the bushes to suburban life and actually seeing the rest of the world. It was a literal, tr it, the contrast was so, you know, like it, it couldn't have been hot and cold, you know. A lot of dudes still remained where dad grew up. He left a lot of people in the sticks mm. and they were cool there, you understand? But he wanted more out of life, you know, which brings us to today. Overeducated and underpaid generation. We've got all the knowledge, we've got clients and connections and whatever, but, you know, like, trying to buy a home has never been hard. Do you understand? But, like, the way I see it is that's our struggle. You see, that's the bureaucratic side of being black. Mm. You're going to inherit a struggle no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're the, and, that's, and that's something which I can say we can't control. You see that? That's something I can say we can't control. Because if if it's bureaucratic, it's systematic. Mm -hmm. These institutions that proliferate this type of agenda of keeping the black man and black woman down. You understand? You knew it was gonna get to that. Yeah. You know what I'm putting, saying? Like, yeah. putting a mic in front of the black man. Yeah. It's gonna come through. <laughs> exactly. Like no, but yeah. for me, that's just yeah. what it. That's that's just what it means to be black in 2023. Mm. I think that really just you know goes into i guess the last question um that i have because we've really unpacked a lot of different aspects of this and i really enjoy how we're you know just taking it from like different perspectives i appreciate that a lot i like the conversation too yeah yeah that's good <laughs> that's great <laughs> Lovely. It's wonderful. Wonderful. But I guess the last question I have um, for you both is, I guess, what would be the best way to unpack trauma? Like Shan said, we're in a generation of like learning and unlearning. And obviously, you know, there's systematic things and things that are out of our control. But the things you just notice that, no, this is coming from a place of fear. This is coming from a place of baggage. And I don't want to I, I don't want to be constrained by this or I don't want this to define me as much anymore. I don't want to, you know, I, I just want to do it different. I want to break the cycle, for example. Um, and we all have different cycles in our family and in our different families and bad habits, good habits and all of those kinds of things. But what, in your opinion, would be the best way to unpack and I guess rewire, change the loop, break the cycle of the traumatic things, the bad habits that we pick up. I think being open about it, mm. being open about the fact that we are human mm. and we all have those responses mm. and also be compassionate to others that have those, ex those some trauma could be mm. different, could be the same mm -hmm. and have responses too. So I think honestly... If we give grace, we can also receive a lot of grace within ourselves and to find a way forward instead of just bearing it mm. and ignoring it. 
because it gets worse and it spreads. Yeah. So yeah. I would say compassion, compassion and truth. Truth. Then I, for one, especially with recent events, you have seen firsthand the power of a strong support system. Mm. You understand? So now comes into play why should we maintain our support system? We have mismanaged our support system horribly. I'm only speaking for Zimbabwe. I love how you generalized, um, you know, like how to move forward, like with this generational trauma. But like, if I speak within the context of Zimbabwe, for us to even keep up with the rest of the world mentally, and this is just the majority of people and stuff like that, you know, it takes a lot of consciousness. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot of extra effort. We're not focused on empowering people. We're just focused on keeping things the exact same way because we understand the world that way. I don't think that we need to give generational cycles more credit than they, or more credence and more power than they actually deserve. Mm-hmm. The powers within us. I'm not saying disown your tradition. I'm just saying you need to make your tradition relevant mm-hmm. to what it is now. Because when you can do that, you can start passing positive cycles to your lineage. I think to unpack generational trauma, there is a need for accountability. Um, and accountability being that if there's one thing I've learned is secrets make you sick. Secrets make people sick. It breaks societies down. It breaks families down. It breaks support structures down. And I think where we keep things hush-hush out of fear of breaking culture or breaking tradition or, you know, this won't be good for the family or this won't be good for this, I think holding each other accountable in the most loving and compassionate way that people deserve because I think that not everyone who does bad things or is a cause of trauma deserves to be handled with any sort of empathy or compassion. But I think holding people accountability is accountable is what's important. And that's a way to unpack trauma. It's saying that this happened and let's call a spade a spade. Let's not whitewash it. Let's not do a an approved history by you know whoever's writing the history books let's hold people accountable talk about things for what they are appreciate one another's experiences and points of view and then we can move from there I think that would be a great starting point and I think for, as an individual where you know you can't hold family members accountable like what Shan's saying because of ageism because you know you got to respect your elders you got to respect this this and this I think it's also just giving yourself the grace to not, I guess, not gaslight yourself because your environment has gaslit you into believing that this is how things should have happened or this is how things happened. But just allowing yourself to acknowledge your truth, live in that truth. And if you're not able to get justice in the way you feel like you deserve to get justice, just acknowledging it for what it truly is and standing firm that even when it's challenged by the family, when it's challenged by society, you've just given yourself the space and I guess also created a safe space. I always wish community on everybody. Like whether it's your family or the your a chosen family, whatever it is, 
I'm so blessed to have such a great support structure in my own home, but I know that's not the case for everybody. And I really just wish everybody safe spaces where they can really, really live in their truth and be able to, I guess, as far as they can, hold themselves to account, be able to hold people to account. And I think from there, if we're just honest, open, and not hiding things, not whitewashing, not keeping secrets, from there, I think that's how we can healthily pack or positively unpack um, generational trauma and change the loop and change the cycle. Because I think what it comes down to, if I've noticed anything about African culture, is a lot of our trauma passes from generation to generation because it thrives off secrecy. It thrives off being ashamed. It thrives off, you know, being blameless. Being blameless. Some people being blameless and some people carrying all of the blame. And I think the best way to like just really shake that up and, you know, just let's put it all out there. Let's let it go. It's accountability. I guess, you know what? I also think, um, mm. I think that the goals mm. have to change because part of the reason why generational trauma occurs a lot is because certain type of goals and targets are put upon us as individuals. Mm. You understand? And I feel as if, especially with Zimbabweans, mm. the goals that were in the 80s and the 70s of that generation, they forced those goals upon us. Mm. Because 60s babies, education was the key to freedom. Mm. I feel like the 80s and the 90s babies our goal should have been innovation, you know? Our goal should have been individuality for us to actually grow and progress because when ageism and accountability doesn't, and grace as well, doesn't actually come into play, you know? We start trying to attain old goals. That is why we live through old statistics. We're the most learned generation. That is why every single thing is a hazard, because we won that already. We did all of that already. We have to move forward. Mm. Like, in class, you know, especially in Zim, I remember even at George's, one dude was talking, was talking about he wants to go into space. Everybody laughed at him. Do you understand? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, things like that, you know? And you see, the thing is, the sad thing about always, you know, sticking to the old way, you romanticize something that's already rotten. Milk can do your body good, and it can be your life force, but once it passes that expiry date, and you're not trying to make lato or cheese, like you need to throw that thing away but here's the thing, we haven't made lato, we haven't made cheese, we haven't reinvented our situation. We're just drinking expired milk, and we're just mad that our kids have to drink sour milk, and we're passing down sour milk from generation to generation, and calling that the way to think. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think y'all had some really interesting perspectives, and um, yeah, just a different way of looking at it. Um, I really appreciate like the big picture, the small picture, 
big T trauma, small T trauma, um, and how those things impact us. So thank you so much for making the time and for joining us on the platform. Um, just a quick one and a really quick one. Do you have any last things to say for the people? Anything you want to plug? Anything, you know? Yeah, just to end off. Ted's? Shen? Uh, my heart goes out to all the people in the submarines looking for the Titanic. Wow. Like, um... <laughs> no, wow. I really, I really I was going to. Yeah. I had something in my head. I know what this guy's going to do. I can just follow him. No. I, can't, I don't even know how to talk But it's quite serious. <laughs> I mean, it's not... It's, so, it's quite serious. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it. <laughs> you know what I mean about generational, like, curses? I mean, you think that uh, boat that sank to the bottom of the ocean over uh-huh. yeah. hundred and something yeah, years ago, exactly. <laughs> and a whole century ago, mm. and a hundred years later, what are we doing? I'm gonna go check it out. Let's see what's happening. It's like a museum. It's like a museum. Yeah, yeah. but Ted, it's a museum that has not been conditioned for human exploration, yeah. and people feel like they can get a submarine and go down. You know, it takes eight hours from a, for a ship to rise from the bottom of the ocean to the surface. They run out of oxygen again, like, yo, bruh. I just think that, you know, because of generational curses and, and stuff like that, and, ge- and repetitive behavior and these cycles, we have turned the Simpsons cartoon into the Mayans, like they're the new prophets. You know, we just got to look through a Simpsons episode, like cartoonists are now the new prophets. You know, just like how Chamberlain Heights predicted Kobe Bryant's death and Simpsons predicted Donald Trump's presidency. You know, storytellers have a way of uh, being able to see the likelihood. Like, they're they're, they're accurate in their estimations of the likelihood of certain things happening. But when you see how humans behave in cycles, you start turning cartoonists into prophets, Uh. you know, which is an insult to people who were born with that gift. (laughs) You understand? But it's that we can't blame them for the submarines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're sinking in a different way. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tats, any any shout out? No. No. Anything to plug? Thank you for having me. Mm. Um, this has been a pleasure being back. Yes. Repeat. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I love my brother. I love my sister. Yeah. Uh, great guys. I love you guys too. Y'all are the best. Y'all love are the you best. more. And hey, congratulations to in this economy podcast. What is this? Five thousand and one now? I don't even know how many we're on at the moment. I just wait to get the email. Uh, but still five bands, bro. Thank so you. More five bands, bro. You know what I'm saying? More five bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, thank you I guys do so a much. Wee clap because you know the microphone doesn't want to get distorted. Like yeah. That's what the end of it. Nah. But yeah, it's been a blast, y'all. Nah, thank you it. so much. I love you guys. Stay black. Stay black. And that is the episode. Thank you so much once again to my very special guests, Satinda and Shannon. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to be on this platform and for indulging me in this discussion. You know, we whenever we're driving like anywhere together or spending time together, there's so many times I wish I could just put a microphone in the middle of us and have a conversation. But actually having done that now, I realized that, okay, you know, things can 
get pretty unhinged and controversial pretty quickly but overall i think we had a great conversation so thank you and thank you so much the listener for tuning in i would love to hear your feedback your experiences um and what you think about this topic this episode and you know what we explored um please do hit us up on social media at in this economy podcast on instagram and follow me your host at kimiajek on twitter and as soon as i get uh get off the wait list for spill the spill app you know i'll start tagging that too because apparently it's a lot of fun at the moment so i'd also love to like share the platform there as well so thank you so much to everybody for tuning in and i guess i will catch you next week